When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is it about Football Insider? Why do you subscribe? Honestly, Dan, it's your promos at the start of every podcast. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Why would you not want to get the knowledge first? Why would you not want those texts in your phone? I just, I smile every time they come up. I like to use these little nuggets and conversations with my friends, act like I'm, I just know more than they do because, you know, I do because I got the, the information going directly into my phone. Playoffs is going to happen this year. It's just really nice to get listen to you guys. You guys are like my movie stars as a sports fan and uh, to get the information, uh, the emails and the um, post game pod, you know, and stuff. It's just, it's been the best money I spent. And I just think as bronze fan, we're, we're lucky to have the coverage that you guys provide. I don't think the other teams in the league have this kind of coverage. I live in LA and I can guarantee the Rams and the Chargers don't have this kind of coverage, nor do they have the fan base that would appreciate it. I read cleveland.com every day for the sports. I read it more than the LA Times. And you, know, you keep me in touch with home. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, it's, I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Here's a promo. Uh, if you want to sign up for Football Insider, go to cleveland.com slash browns and hit the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get involved in stuff like this. Hey, it's Dan. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, it is Ellis, Mary Kay, and I, and we're just going to kind of get caught up on all the news that did or didn't happen on Wednesday with the Browns. Uh, of course, we recorded this. It was probably around 4.30 on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, if there's been some news on Thursday morning or something and we don't discuss it, that, of course, is why. But uh, Ellis and Mary Kay and I talk about B.J. Goodson returning, Jacob Phillips. Uh, we get into Kevin Stefanski and kind of why it works with him and a lot more. So check it out here on our Thursday podcast. Here we go on our Thursday podcast uh, with Ellis and Mary Kay. Mary Kay, let's get us going. We're recording this on Wednesday. Where are we at right now with with this team, with the COVID situation and and kind of everything going on as we're recording this now? Well, you know, just to kind of get up to speed a little bit, what's going on right now is the fact that uh, on this particular Wednesday, the Browns were not able to practice. Their facility is still closed while they continue to do contact tracing. Uh, with five people testing positive on Tuesday, they had a lot of tracing to do. And, and the NFL and their partners, they all want to make sure that the building is very safe before they go back into it. Now, what does that mean for the Browns? It means that they were not able to obviously get together and practice today. So they had to do a virtual walkthrough, which they did at one o'clock. Uh, so a little bit challenging, not the way that you want to head into your, uh, you know, your first practice day uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it is what it is right now. They just have to do the best that they can with it. Uh, on, on one 
a little bit of a brighter note for them, linebacker B.J. Goodson was activated off COVID-19 reserve today. And I think he's going to be the first of a few guys that trickle back into the lineup. There are eight guys on COVID reserve right now. And I think there's only two that we know for sure cannot play in the game. Joel Batonio, Kaderil Hodge. So I think a couple more guys might come back as the week goes along, including Denzel Ward. That would be good for the Browns. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty important piece to all of this. You know, Ellis, Mary Kay mentioned B.J. Goodson coming back. And I, I think that's interesting because I, I really think something important happened on Sunday for the Browns, and that was Jacob Phillips kind of got thrust into this role of being the signal caller. Uh, I believe he played every single snap in that football game. And we know that this linebacking core needs as much, <laughs> as much help as they can get. And we haven't really gotten a good look at kind of what Jacob Phillips can do. So I guess now that you got BJ Goodson back, what, what kind of role do you think Jacob Phillips could play in this linebacking core? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, I would be surprised if he has a limited role. I will say that, you know, COVID aside, depending on how he, you know, gets acclimated and feels, that's one thing. But with him returning, uh, you know, we have to remember that this guy has valuable playoff experience. You know, he was a, a member of the Packers team who went to the NFC Championship last year and a leader that with your head coach and play caller now out could just provide that extra type of, uh, you know, juice that a, a unit needs in the face of a lot of adversity right now. Because it's that simple. That's exactly what the Browns are staring at is a mile high stack of adversity and then this Pittsburgh Steelers behind that. So BJ Goodson's a guy who can come in and notice I haven't said one thing about how he'll play on the field, but that takes care of itself because he's been playing well. He was sort of turning in or coming into motion and then finding himself as both a guy they could lean on in coverage, which was surprising. And we already know what he can do in the run game. So assuming he feels well and has his win back, I expect him to contribute and be a guy that they can emotionally lean on as both a leader and someone with playoff experience. Yeah. And then, you know, Mary Kay with, with Jacob Phillips, I kind of look at, you know, the play that sticks out in my mind is Mac Wilson in the backfield, right? That tackle he missed, it turned into a, a, a decent chunk for the Steelers. That's a play that I don't know if BJ, if Jacob Phillips is kind of freed up to not just be the Mike, to be a guy that can play one of those, those extra linebacker positions, you know, maybe he makes that play. Cause I'll say this for, for whatever you, you know, I haven't looked up his grades or anything yet, but you at least noticed him. You at least saw him flying around, and, and he strikes me as a guy that if he's got an opportunity to stick somebody, he'll do it. Well, you know what? If you get a chance while we're on here doing this, take a quick look at his PFF grade, because if I recall correctly, uh, and, and I haven't completely had a chance to dive into it yet, but I believe he may have been targeted uh, – like six times and gave up six passes, I think is what I recall. So uh, I, I, I see if you can find that real quick. Yeah, uh, it's, not, it's not what you would hope from him. And maybe I have that wrong. Uh, but I, I, as I was looking up how many times uh, Robert Jackson was targeted uh, in this game, I happened to notice that. And it stood out in my mind and it, it made me think, boy, they, they really could use B.J. Goodson to come back for this game against the Steelers. Because you, once you start to get into your depth a little bit at linebacker, we, with Malcolm Smith out and B.J. Goodson out, uh, it starts to get a little gamey back there. 
and they really need uh, all the help that they can possibly get going against these receivers. Uh, you know, they don't have much of a running game over in Pittsburgh, which I still find so odd. I like I've said this so many times on this podcast uh, to you guys, and I still don't understand why can't you just in the big Zoom meeting ask somebody to raise their hand uh, a month ago that was a really good high school running back or a really good college running back uh, that can just bowl you over and get them get them some carries. I mean, I know it sounds absolutely crazy to propose something like that, but if James Conner's not getting the job done. If Benny Snell's not getting, I would do that. I would find a linebacker that can just uh, run you right over. But anyways, um, I digress. I, I think that, uh, I th- do you, are, are you finding Jacobs? I did. So his, gra- his grades weren't great. He, he graded 66 overall, uh, but an 83 uh, in tackling, 65 pass rush, 71 in coverage. And you are right. He was targeted nine times and gave up a catch on all nine of those for 37 yards. So, you know, but I'm a little surprised at that because their, I mean, their coverage grade isn't bad for him. It's 71, which is a decent grade, but you know, it's also worth noting that he did bring the pressure that caused the interception. And I I guess for me, like, I guess this linebacking core has been so, and and I'm with you, Alice, BJ Goodson has been good and, and been getting better. But this linebacking core has been so ineffective. Like, if you've got a guy that can make one or two plays for you like that, it, this is a good thing, especially if he doesn't have to be the Mike linebacker. Yeah, that, that was a big play to get the pressure on the interception. That was a great play. And that's why I was actually surprised, too, when I saw that nine for nine. I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember looking. I don't even know if that can be right. I don't even remember looking out there and seeing him be targeted Uh, that much in the game but you're right he did you know he brings the speed he brings some explosiveness uh he brings some good tackling ability and and they they're going to need him to be on point on Sunday night yeah it'll be interesting to follow his snap count because after what Jacob Phillips just did and this might be an off-season topic it probably is but it seems like Mac Wilson is once again phasing himself out of this rotation which is if you just said that in week one or in training camp we all have been pretty surprised yeah, I mean, it was such a big story when Matt got hurt uh, right. in training camp, and now here we are. And, and I kind of agree with you. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, uh, especially if they really like what they see from Jacob Phillips. Okay, so the COVID situation here, Mary Kay, you mentioned it. The building is closed or, or was closed on Wednesday um, as they continue contact tracing, but no new positive tests. I think it's probably a good thing that the building was closed. I know, I know it means you can't get out there on the practice field, but look, if it means that they can kind of stop this thing a little bit and get through the rest of the week, I think it's, it's better to have those practices Thursday and Friday and a walk through Saturday if it kind of gets you through. So I'll ask this to each of you. Tuesday was doom and gloom. Uh, you know, that news came out on Twitter and everybody panicked. Everybody, you know, Mary Kay, you and I talked with Terry Pluto. And at the very end, we came up with reasons to, to feel good and, and feel optimistic still. Um, but I guess right now in this moment, now that we're past that, we slept on what happened Tuesday. The Browns appear to have gotten through today at least. And this is going to be a day-to-day thing. Um, where, where are you guys at right now feeling about this matchup amidst kind of all this COVID stuff? Ellis? Yeah. Oh, Ellis. Yeah. Um, 
like you said yesterday, was doom and gloom. And it's been difficult to find some silver linings. But as we've had time to think this over and readjust to the new reality of what the Browns are going to look like on Sunday, I think there's two bright spots to look at. The first being, and I, I texted out to our football insiders. It was in my story yesterday on Mike Prefer. I talked to a coach yesterday who brought up a really interesting point about what happens when a team switches play callers. And the, the, the quote was something along the lines of what the Browns do will still look the same, but the when and how will change. And that's what I find so interesting is that when they run some play action, when they're in empty or when they run wide zone or power, it's going to look the same, but the variance and when that happens and the frequency of it is all now up in the air now, we can suspect that Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt will work together in scripting the first so many, you know, 15, 20 plays or whatnot. But then after that, you get to the, you know, the, the two-minute warning, fourth quarter stuff. That's going to be Alex Van Pelt being a play caller. And to me, I can – I would kind of compare it to when the Raiders lost Derek Carr and you insert Marcus Mariota. I don't think either was that much better, and you probably were better with Derek Carr out there because – that was your guy who were getting reps with, but it's a wrinkle. It's a, it's a shakeup. And, and, and Alex Van Pelt wouldn't have got this far in the league if he wasn't a capable and probably desired offensive mind. So there's gotta be some faith there. And then just the element of surprise, which is like any battle, which football is, is an advantage. So there might be some stuff that just the Steelers are not prepared for, and that can be advantageous to the Browns. And the second thing being, and it's just exactly what we just talked about with B.J. Goodson. There's guys coming back. And we've got this the rest of this week to wait and see how that plays out. But the, the, the infantry is getting stronger, it seems, and starters are returning. So you combine those two things, this is not a death sentence for the Browns. Unfortunately, I do have to end on this note, though. And we got you guys talked about it the other day. But the Joel Batonio loss is just one thing that you can't prepare for. You can't get over it. But with the combination of that and some old school rallying and playing for one another, I still think the Browns have a chance in this game. Yeah, you know what? I, I do think that, uh, you know, the picture looks a lot brighter today than it did yesterday. Out of the eight players that we mentioned that are on COVID reserve, a lot of them can come back. The only two that can't are Batonio and Hodge. And, and we do know that uh, Batonio, that is a, a, a big, huge hit. Uh, but for the most part, uh, if a lot of these guys come back, I do think that, that they can put up a really, really good fight. Now, in terms of Alex Van Pelt, um, what would really help him a lot is if either Chad O'Shea or Bill Callahan can come back and also be on the headset and be involved with the play calling. Now, a lot of times there are you know, a couple, you know, three, four guys that are, that, are, that are involved. And I'm sure Alex Van Pelt is on that headset every single week with Kevin Stefanski. And I'm sure that he's in Baker's ear every single week. Um, but I think it would help him to have the perspective of either Chad or Bill Callahan on Sunday night. Now, Chad was the offensive coordinator uh, for the Dolphins last year. Bill Callahan has been a head coach. He's been an interim head coach. So those guys have been through the fire and, and they can help handle that situation. Bill Callahan, from a timing standpoint, it doesn't seem to me like he can be back. He tested positive on Saturday. Chad O'Shea, 
I think he should be able to be back, but he was symptomatic. So you never really know how that's going to go from, from that standpoint. But if, if one of those guys can be back to kind of, to be that other voice in the headset, along with Alex Van Pelt, I think that will help tremendously. You know, you know who the big winner was today? Kevin Stefanski. Like, and, and part of this comes from, look, there was no bad news, right? We didn't wake up this morning and get another statement from the Browns that there were three positive tests and four players identified as close contact. So obviously circumstances dictate that, but we all sat there and listened to Kevin Stefanski today from his home, not wanting to talk about himself or his family or anything like that. And it was just anybody who listened to that, any fan who pulled that up on a stream or watched it on YouTube it just had to be calming, right? And it was just Kevin Stefanski that we've come to know over the season, focusing on the Steelers, not making excuses, saying that he trusts Mike Prefer and, and saying all the right things, but not saying anything more than he has to say. And then sometimes even less than that. It just felt very like normal. And you, even though we all knew it wasn't normal and we didn't get to talk to any players today and the Browns aren't practicing, it just sort of, I think for the fan base, when I was kind of following along on Twitter, I think it was a very calming thing. I think everybody kind of came away feeling like, ah, okay, I think Stefanski's got this. And I'm sure that that's sort of what, how he's trying to make the players feel right now too, that, you know, A, nobody believes in him. I'm sure he's going to be selling that at some point this week, but I think he's got that ability to kind of calm the waters there behind the scenes and get everybody refocused on what they need to do. Yeah, I think it's been one of his strengths this whole entire season is guiding these guys through adversity, uh, you know, putting on that brave face no matter what happens. I mean, look, they had to go into the Jets game without six of their players from the night before. They had to practice in a concrete hotel garage uh, on the day of the game. And, and he just keeps forging ahead. And he got 11 victories out of a football team that was just crushed by the, the Ravens 38 to, uh, to seven or six in the opener. And it just seemed like, uh-oh, here we go again, right? And he pulled that team back together. And he has set the tone all season long for that. And, and he did it again today. Now he was a little bit more subdued than I thought he would be today, actually. Uh, I thought that he would be a little bit more upbeat than he was. So I was mildly surprised about that, but I mean, he is human, right? I mean, he's going through a right. really, really difficult time right now. In addition to everything else, what he can't and won't talk about is that he's in a room at his house full of three small children, okay? These are three young school-aged children. So he's a human being with a family uh, that has to worry about his wife. He has to worry about his kids in addition to worrying about everybody on the football team, including people that have tested positive, some of whom do not feel good at all. So he's got a lot on his shoulders right now, um, but I think they will follow his lead. On Sunday night, I think they will follow his lead and they will keep their eyes on the prize, which is what they've done all season long. Yeah, Dan, you made a great point because we've seen what having an adult in the room translates to on the field the Browns are in the playoffs because of that today is what having an adult in the room sounds like 
Now, I don't have kids, but you two can attest to this. And it reminded me of when I was a child. And if anything ever felt uncomfortable or something was wrong, your parent puts the game face on, assures you everything's okay, and you move on. And that's exactly what I got from Kevin Stefanski today, that just in staring at the one of the toughest circumstances that he'll probably ever face as a coach, he put the game face on, assured everyone everything's going to be okay, put immense confidence into Mike Prefer and Alex M. Pelt, and now the Browns are on their way. It, he remains uh, impressive and adding to his resume of coach of the year if being in press conferences was something we <laughs> tracked for that. He, he'd be adding to it. Yeah, you know, it's funny you, you say that, Ellis, because I, I thought of this. You know, when, when you have little kids, and Mary Kay, you can probably speak to this too, you know, they're running through the living room and they fall down and they wipe out and they're okay, right? And the one thing you don't want is you don't want them to just start screaming and become unconsolable. So like as a parent, you have to like, oh my God, I hope they're not hurt, but then put that game face on and at least put out this front. They're like, oh, I'm not that, I'm not worried about it. We'll, we'll get this sorted out. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good uh comparison to not to compare all the Browns players to toddlers of course but I mean that's sort of what yeah, Kevin's felt. It, it totally to is. Do a little bit is, is put on that like hey we're all right don't worry about it we're gonna get through this even if in the back of his mind he's kind of like oh, I don't know about this yeah yeah you know what and then I wrote a, a column about that yesterday just the the you know he taught his players from day one from the minute COVID-19 hit back in March that they had to embrace the suck. It was one of his mantras all season long was they had to wear connects on tracers. They couldn't go out. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't socialize. They couldn't have a, a, a barbecue. They couldn't get to know each other. Uh, they, they couldn't practice half the time. Uh, there was just so much going on uh, this whole entire season, so much adversity. And here's the other thing about Kevin Stefanski that I think it should be noted. There are some players on this football team that that last year, you know, if they were unhappy, it was just so pervasive and it just kind of took over the team. He made sure that guys like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., that they felt valued, that they they felt that uh, they were important, integral parts of the team. I mean, he knew how to manage all the personality. So he got everybody set up to get through the tough times. And, you know, it's like, as long as we're doing kid analogies, it's like when you finally get your child to like 18 or whatever, and they're going off to college, they're ready. They're ready for the moment because you have prepared them for that. And that is what he has done with his football team. And he's like, he's a humble guy today. He's like, Oh, well, you know, they're not in my image. Well, you know what? Yes, they are. They are in his image very much. So he's unflappable. Uh, he is once again, he's humble. He doesn't talk about it. He just does it. Uh, he keeps focused on the very next game. He doesn't let, uh, you know, there's a, a series out now by a, a great, actually, writer from Shaker Heights, Little Fires Everywhere. Mm -hmm. He puts out those little fires everywhere, and he does a great job of that. They didn't turn into big fires on this team this year. Last year, everything was a big fire. Uh, so he's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job uh, with all of that. And, and those guys will carry that message into this game on Sunday night. So um, obviously it's going to be Mike Prefer in charge. And, uh, you know, the thing about Kevin Stefanski, again, if he doesn't want to say something, he won't. Um, I've always thought it was funny that Mike Prefer doesn't wear a headset on the sideline. I asked him about that today and he did not engage me at all. But again, maybe that was Kevin Stefanski sending the message that Prefer has done this before, which of course, Ellis, you wrote about that. 
Uh, Mike Prefer coached a game back in 2016, I believe it was, uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, we asked him about it last year when there was some thinking that maybe he'd get an opportunity at, at this head coaching job. But, um, you know, Stefanski explained today that, and I think this is a, a smart way to put it, the special teams coordinator is a great guy to have in that spot because he touches everybody on the roster. He can do the job and not have to necessarily give up some of his responsibilities. So um, I, I guess what's your confidence level after you wrote that, you researched to talk to some folks, your confidence level and Mike Prefer on Sunday night. Yeah, for the fact that Coach Prefer has done this before, that has to be where we start with this. The fact that he's walked the sideline, played the part, and had a big role in the Vikings almost winning that game. For anyone who didn't read the piece, um, the Vikings played the Cowboys, who were an NFL best 11-1 at that point. The Vikings were 6-5, and five, were having a terrible year. Um, and the game really came down to uh, a fourth-quarter challenge where Dak Prescott scrambled and he picked up the first down initially, but with Prefer and his staff being on top of the rules, they knew that he was or thought he was a yard short because the slide started late, challenged it, won the challenge, got the ball back, scored. They didn't get the two-point conversion to tie the game. And But point is, that decision was monumental. So not only did he you know, control the game, control the sidelines, he showed his imprint on the game in that moment. And then just talking about him as, as, a, as a coach and as a person, what Kevin Stefanski said today is extremely true, that it makes sense for your special teams coordinator to become the head coach in a situation like this. But you have to make sure you have a quality and a appropriate special teams coordinator who can handle that role. The Minnesota Vikings parted ways with their special teams coordinator the other day. I don't think he would have got the same opportunity Prefer got four years ago if something happened to Mike Zimmer this time. I think the Vikings would have went in a different direction. So even though we've talked about this sometimes, and I'm sure we will in the offseason, John Dorsey's fingerprints are all over this roster still. And this is another spot where Browns fans can probably thank him a little bit because Prefer is here. And now the right special teams coordinator is in position to handle this role. And just for people listening that may not understand the background of Coach Prefer, I'm, this is a Naval Academy guy. He played football there, quarterback, receiver, then served four years in the United States Navy before starting a, a 20 plus year coaching career and has had 20 years in the NFL. Both one of his sons is at Navy. Another one has been a GA for the past four seasons at multiple power five schools. Um, their grandfather was in the NFL. This is a football family, and now this is the guy who's leading the Browns in their first playoff game since 2002, and it's almost fitting. Born in, here in Cleveland, he grew up rooting for the Browns, and now he gets a moment to go and try and get their first playoff victory since, what, 1994. It, it's not a circumstance anyone would want, and I can promise you Coach Prefer wouldn't want to be coaching this game considering the circumstances, but if anyone has to do it, the Browns are in good hands, and I don't think – Kemp's fans would talk that way about him if he wasn't confident about that. And he wouldn't pick him if he wasn't had unwavering support that this guy will get the Browns fired up, ready to play and rallied. I have to wonder if, um, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure that Mike Prefer was, would have been the choice anyways, but part of me wonders, you know, with Bill Callahan having had so much head coaching experience, if he would have at least been a candidate uh, to take on this role, uh, because, you know, as the, you know, as the offensive line coach, you, you could probably handle both jobs, but uh, Bill wasn't obviously 
he might not be available for this game. And I just wanted to make a super quick point about that because the Pittsburgh defensive front, if Bill Callahan is not available, uh, and we've talked about this before on, the, on this pod, they were doing something to make these guys false start. They false started three times. And Bill Callahan wasn't there to kind of work them through that. Now, J.C. Treader served as sort of a player coach, but they, they really didn't have an experienced offensive line coach. Now, maybe Scott Peters, the assistant offensive line coach, will be back. Maybe Bill Callahan will be back. I don't know yet. But if he's not, that is, once again, something to watch in this game, is that they're going to show new wrinkles on the defensive front. They're going to try to do things to mix up Baker Mayfield, and to a certain extent, whoever, you know, whoever is replacing Joel Batonio, uh, they're going to try to do some things uh, very creatively. It's a veteran defensive staff. Mike Tomlin, he can draw things up in the dirt when he needs to, right? Uh, Keith Butler, longtime veteran defensive coach. If Bill Callahan is not there on the sideline or in that locker room at halftime, they're going to try to do some things to take advantage of that little bit of a weakness. You know, all of this though speaks to who Kevin Stefanski surrounded himself with, which I think is, is just as important a story as the job he's done. I mean, we just mentioned two people, Mike Prefer and Bill Callahan, who, you know, it's going to be Prefer, but in a pinch, he could have gone to Callahan too. And I think when they had all those false positives in camp, uh, it was Callahan that ran things that day because Prefer got caught up in all of that too, if I remember correctly. So, and, and we mentioned Chad O'Shea earlier, right? Maybe being able to help out Alex Van Pelt. Um, so I, I think, again, it just speaks to something we've talked about this all season long is he's kind of surrounded himself with this combination of really veteran guys that he can lean on, but also there's a lot of young, young folks on this, young folks, <laughs> listen to me. We were just talking about generations before we came on here. There's a lot of younger coaches on this staff, like a Drew Petzing, uh, Callie Brownson, um, Jeff Howard. I don't know how old Jeff Howard is, but, but I think he's, you know, a guy kind of coming up the ranks a little bit too. He's, he's got this really nice mix of coaches of veteran guys that he can lean on, but also younger coaches that he's sort of developing, you know, below him a little bit and giving opportunities to. So and this is a really interesting kind of staff that, that he's built here. And I think this moment yeah. kind of speaks to that. I completely agree, Dan. And to me, that speaks to Kevin Stefanski's self-confidence and security as a football coach, that he's not intimidated by bringing in a guy like Bill Callahan, who could maybe, you know, step on his toes or something like that. Nope, no worries. He's going to do his job. He's going to do it well. Mike Prefer was the special teams coordinator with the Vikings when Kevin Stefanski was like the, the, quality control or running back coach or quarterback coach, something like that, you know, low, much lower on the totem pole. And now Kevin Stefanski is his boss, you know, but that doesn't rock the room or anything. It is just, it speaks to the, how we started this conversation, the, the type of man Kevin Stefanski is, and it shows throughout his coaching staff and down his roster. Okay. Um, the, the other point I wanted to make earlier too, is, is if there's one silver lining in losing Joel Batonio, and this is something I texted out to, uh, to our football insider subscribers is that, it happened on Tuesday. So at the very least, the Browns are going to have a, a full week of preparation to kind of figure out how to work around not having uh, Joel Batonio out there, who probably has to be their best offensive lineman if, if we were going through. I know there's, there's a lot of really good line. This is a really good line. Ellis, you've called it the best line in football. So there's obviously five really good guys on there and Joel Batonio. 
might be the best of the bunch. So that's one positive as well. Okay. Uh, oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I was just going to say that um, ha having Joel Batonio next to Jed Wills yeah. is very helpful for Jed. Jed is a rookie. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, these guys, this veteran line, when you've got TJ Watt and you've got Cam Hayward and Wormley and all these guys that they're going to be facing, you're going to be trying to mess up the younger guys. And Joel can kind of, you know, help Jed in some of those situations. So we don't know who's going to, who's going to be there yet, but if it's an inexperienced guy like a Michael Dunn, uh, that is another area uh, that's a little bit of a concern heading into the game. Jed's really going to have to be on point. Yep, for sure. Listen, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but you know, you'd rather have to kind of start facing that challenge early in the week than what they had to do a few weeks ago when they lost those four receivers about 18 hours before kickoff. Okay. Um, I think that's everything we, uh, we wanted to cover today. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. As I always tell you, make sure you're subscribed everywhere you get your pods, because I know that uh, earlier today, as like I said, we're recording this Wednesday, I got to watch the tape one up. So if folks aren't subscribed to Ellis, what did they miss if they didn't get that pod? Yep. Today, deep dive, Scott Pascoe talked about the Brown safety situation, what to expect in the Steelers game from there. And then I talked about Baker Mayfield and the lack of bootlegs we saw versus Steelers and just overall the Browns state of play action passing in general. All right. So get subscribed. You'll get that. And uh, we got our picks pod coming up. I think I got another push this week. So I'm excited. I'm keeping up with I, Ellis and the push. I already know I did terrible, but that, I got in bed with the NFC East. I deserve everything I'm about to get on the picks pod. <laughs> right. And of course, check out football insider. We've mentioned a couple of times, some stuff we texted out today, head to cleveland.com slash Browns. There's a blue banner up at the top of the page that you can click on. So for Ellis and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah.